Welcome to Adventures in Consciousness with your host, Dr. Carl Simononic. Hello, this is Episode 4, Pathways and Organization of the Brain. The various flows of information into, out of, and between the various parts of the brain all sum up to determine our experiences and behaviors. There are a great number of such information flows going on all the time, with some more important than others, and not all are yet known. Fortunately, it's not necessary to know every neural pathway and interconnection between different brain nuclei to gain an overall understanding of how consciousness is supported in our brains, and in this Introduction to Nexus Theory, for simplicity and brevity, we'll focus primarily on the sensory input functions of the brain, which are best illustrated by the visual pathways. Most importantly, all incoming sensory information, with the single exception of our sense of smell, first arrives in our brains at the thalamus at the top of the brainstem. Arriving information between neurons occurs at points called synapses, which are described in the next episode 5, Neuronal Synapses, Membrane Potentials, and Neurotransmitters. The thalamus was introduced to you in Episode 3, Major Structures of the Human Nervous System, as a very important paired structure located at the top of the brainstem at the very center of the brain. It surrounds the unpaired third ventricle at its center and is bordered along much of its outer surface by the two lateral ventricles underneath the cerebral cortex. The thalamus is made up of a number of discrete subgroups of neurons, and remember that groups or subgroups of neurons working together are called brain nuclei. What's special about thalamic nuclei is that most of them are connected to and thereby mapped through their neural connections to discrete areas of the cerebral cortex, and information is able to flow in both directions between the thalamus and cortex. Classical thinking has long regarded the thalamus as a kind of relay station for transmitting neural information to the cerebral cortex, but it does much more than that. The thalamus first projects its incoming raw sensory information directly to consciousness being maintained within the cerebral ventricles by the biophotonic holographic nexus. Then the incoming sensory signals are relayed from the thalamus to the cerebral cortex, which is called thalamocortical neural traffic, where cortex analyzes the signals and returns its interpreted information about them back to the thalamus for integration with the raw signals, giving them learned meaning to your consciousness. This process is best illustrated by the visual system because it's the major neural pathway in human beings and other primates highly adapted for vision. Vision begins with the reception of photons of external light on the retinas of our eyes where incoming light is translated into neural signals which then travel toward the brain through the optic nerves. The two optic nerves cross over each other and rearrange themselves a bit before they enter the back of the thalamus at specialized thalamic nuclei called the lateral geniculate nuclei. 
Remember, the thalamus is a paired organ like most brain structures, so while we're really talking about two lateral geniculate nuclei, you'll also see them referred to in the singular, so don't become confused by that in your reading elsewhere. In the lateral geniculate nuclei, the visual signals arrive partitioned into six layers of specialized neurons, with information from both eyes reaching both lateral geniculate nuclei. Nobody yet knows exactly why there are six layers, but there have to be good reasons, perhaps for enabling stereoscopic vision. That initially arriving visual neural information stimulates the emission of biophotons to holographically display the incoming information in its raw form to consciousness in the nexus of the cerebral ventricles, into which those biophotons are precisely aimed in synchrony with neural events by the beating cilia lining the ventricular spaces. The thalamus thus maintains a constant neurophotic resonance with the nexus and is surrounded on its outer surfaces by a specialized layer of neurons called the reticular nucleus or nucleus reticularis, which is not to be confused with the reticular formation, which is much deeper below in the brainstem. The neurons of the reticular nucleus act as gates controlled by the nexus, allowing selected information to pass into the thalamus and therefore the nexus from other neural structures, most importantly the cerebral cortex. By the way, it is the goal of many meditative techniques to learn to control the reticular nucleus gates so as to shut off what some call monkey brain chatter coming from the cerebral cortex. From the thalamus, after raw sensory information is displayed to consciousness, the neural visual signals are then relayed outward, again this is called thalamocortical traffic, fanning out around the lateral ventricles on their way to the visual cortex at the very back of the brain, which is also called the occipital cortex. At the occipital cortex, the neural signals are partially analyzed and categorized in terms of qualities like lines and their orientation, shapes and colors, and from there neural signals loop forward into the parietal cortex of the brain into regions of cortex known as visual association areas. These association areas add learned information to the partially interpreted signals arriving from the occipital cortex. The interpretation of learned information in the visual signals requires processing through several association loops, after which the information gets transmitted back down to the thalamus in corticothalamic neural traffic, which may or may not be passed through nuclear reticularis gates to be displayed to consciousness in the nexus. Thus, the signals entering the thalamus include neural traffic for rapid display in raw form to consciousness, and then the visual cortex and association areas decode the information in those signals and relay interpreted information back down to the thalamus. In this process, the amount of information in the form of neural traffic that the thalamus initially transmitted to the visual cortex is multiplied by approximately 10 times, meaning 10 times as much neural traffic returns back to the thalamus from the cortex as the thalamus sent out. 
This is one of several very strong lines of evidence that consciousness is not a function of cortex, as is still commonly believed by some people, but instead the cerebral cortex serves to process incoming data through its store of learned information and return interpreted sensory information back to the thalamus in order to attach learned meaning to the incoming raw sensory information being displayed to consciousness occurring in the cerebral ventricles. There's an interesting experiment you can do with your own perception to observe for yourself this two-part display of raw information followed by interpreted information arriving to your consciousness. Look around you and quickly let your eyes fall on a random object. Your raw perception will immediately notice the color of the object and in most cases will immediately recognize the object as familiar, but the name of the object's color or the name of the object itself takes some time for your visual cortex and visual association areas to analyze and inform your consciousness of it, usually taking about a quarter to half of a second. It's a small delay, but very noticeable when you go to look for it. When you do this experiment, you should decide beforehand whether you want your brain to return the name of the color or the name of the object, otherwise you'll lengthen the delay time. The point is to see how quickly you can retrieve any learned information about an object after perceiving its raw information. Go ahead and pause this audio if you'd like to do this little experiment with your own consciousness right now and notice that it takes some time after your initial perception of an object for your brain to retrieve either its color or its name for you. Did you find that experiment with your own brain interesting? Your brain is constantly working this way, displaying raw incoming information to your consciousness in your cerebral ventricles and then quickly embellishing it with interpreted information provided by your cerebral cortex. Very young infant children, by the way, perceive raw information the same way, but without any sense of familiarity or ability to retrieve learned information since they haven't learned much about the world around them yet. Their cerebral cortex simply doesn't have much learned information to combine with their raw signals. If you are a parent, you can use this understanding to help you teach your child more rapidly to name colors, objects, and other things in the world about them. A similar process also occurs with the other senses. Incoming neural information initially synapses at the thalamus to display raw sensory data to consciousness. The thalamus sends the data to cortex for decoding, and the returned cortical interpretation of the data gives meaning to the raw sensory data being displayed to consciousness. The single exception, your sense of smell, which is formally called olfaction, is a slower responding sense which first undergoes some cortical processing to attach a certain amount of learned meaning to the incoming olfactory information arriving at consciousness in the nexus. So far, this explanation of brain pathways and organization has described the handling of incoming sensory signals and their interpretation and presentation to consciousness. The brain, of course, also manages outgoing motor control, too, primarily using the frontal lobes. Remember from episode 3, that's a large area of cortex at the front of the brain. Again, as a repository for learned information and its processing that consciousness is able to control from the nexus within the cerebral ventricles. The frontmost part of the frontal lobe, 
or prefrontal area is used by consciousness in mentally healthy individuals for processing final decision-making and incorporating such qualities as empathy and conscience into one's final decisions. When there is prefrontal damage or damage to the prefrontal connections with the thalamus or other brain nuclei, their functions can be diminished or lost, and psychopathic behaviors result from decisions determined by the more animalistic drives left over from evolution, which reside in the brainstem, particularly the hypothalamus. Psychopaths therefore illustrate that ancient drives arising from non-cortical sources also contribute to the presentation of interpreted information to consciousness in the nexus. This has been a pretty dense episode, so I'll recap for you its most important aspects. Incoming sensory signals are first presented to consciousness directly in their raw form to your nexus within the cerebral ventricles, maintaining that raw perception while the incoming signals are relayed to various areas of the cerebral cortex for higher level processing. The interpreted signals thus produced in cortex are then relayed back to the thalamus and your nexus for integration with their corresponding raw perceptions. Cortex thus adds a great deal of information to raw perceptions, sometimes in conjunction with the drives and urges originating from our more primitive brain stems. Cortex and some other areas of the brain can therefore add their informational contents to consciousness, but those other areas are not where consciousness itself occurs. Controlled by the thalamus, consciousness is going on in your holographic nexus inside the fluid-filled spaces of your brain called the cerebral ventricles. Thank you for tuning in to Adventures in Consciousness. This is your host, Carl Simononic, signing out. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you haven't already, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to Adventures in Consciousness. Consciousness.